Hey, welcome to another episode of Analysis Podcast, man. Before I start, I want to say a huge thank you. You guys have, have embraced the podcast. And, you know, most of this stuff is kind of pre-recorded just because, because of my schedule, the games, practices and everything. But, man, you you guys really made me feel excited. I really try to bring them to life, you know, as much as I can. But enough of that. Let's uh, let's go to our special guest. We're number one from Alabama, Birmingham. <laughs> De Mare, the junkyard dog, Carol. Oh, it's good to be here. Appreciate you, bro. Appreciate you for being in the podcast. I know you've been so scared. You, your schedule is crazy. You know, you hey, now being the coach is a new chapter for you. And, you know, I think I'm very excited. You know, I know the listeners and the people are watching at home are going to be excited. But uh, let me ask you this before we even start. Like, Junkyard Dog, how did, how, how did that uh, come to life? Uh, junkyard Dog came, came to life because of my uncle. Uh, right now, he's the head coach of St. John's, uh, Mike Anderson. Um, when I was at Mizzou, he was trying to describe my game and describe how I needed to compete and how I needed to, to, to play. So he was just screaming out. You got to be like the junkyard dog, and ever since then it just took off. It just it just stuck with it. Oh man, you that totally describes the, the way you play. I've been oh, my whole the whole career. I've been a huge fan. Just you know, just picking the little things you've done, and I'm so glad to, to first of all work with you on a personal basis, but having you know and the podcast. But uh, I mean, you know, just talk a little bit more about you know your beginning. You know, you, how you started. You know, and um, how you started basketball, man. It's crazy because I. I come from a basketball family. Uh, my dad, he played he played for Sanford University. My uncle played. Um, all my cousins played. Um, I just came from a basketball family, so I got into it very early. Um, my dad actually being, you know, a former All-American at Sanford, Uni Sanford University, um, I just grew to love the sport, and I started playing when I was like six, you know, playing at church league. Yes. Um, just continuing to keep growing. And the more I kept growing, I kept gaining confidence. And eventually, like every other little kid, I said, hey, I want to be in the NBA. You know, I want to I want to be, you know, Dennis Rodman. Oh, I want to be I didn't I didn't actually want to be the Michael Jordans and the and, the, you know, those type of guys. I wanted to be the guys who do all the dirty work. So I think. Same here, same here. That's the intriguing part about my story and my journey. Um, I never grew up watching those type of guys. I grew up watching the people who did the dirty work, you know what I mean? Like Charles Oakley and, and, and Dennis Rodman and, and guys are like that, you know, Ben Wallace. Man, so, shout out to the legends, man. Yeah, so that those are guys I kind of grew up after. I mean, grew up looking to, and then um, at the end of the day, man, I saw this vision and I went for it. <laughs> So that's that's a great way to um, describe this stuff. Uh, so you going you going to Missouri, right? Yep. And going play. You did you go? Was he playing? Did you play for your uncle? Or did you, I played for my uncle. So I, was that hard? Was that like? Yeah. I mean, you transfer. Tra you took a transfer, right? Go yeah, ahead. I transferred. I actually went to Vanderbilt. Yeah. And the reason I went to Vanderbilt because my dad, growing up, he always he said basketball isn't premise. Um, you know, having an education is. Mm. So you need to get both sides of both worlds. So that's when I decided to go to Vanderbilt. Um, and then, you know, writing 30 page papers once a week, that's not that's not <laughs> ideal, you know, for any college student. And uh, so I, that's when I decided to go to Missouri. I decided to transfer. I felt like the workload at Vanderbilt was a little bit too much if I really wanted to focus on basketball. And uh, that's when I went to Missouri. Was it? But do you did you feel like it was? Was it hard for you? Was it tough saying like, okay, I'm gonna leave Vanderbilt, just go to Missouri? It was so tough. I I actually didn't want to do it because I I had a lot of friends at Vanderbilt and oh, I yeah. felt like I was playing okay at Vanderbilt. Um, but my dad had bigger a bigger vision for me, and you know he he's like my best friend and he always, you know, had a bigger vision for me. Even when I was in the NBA, he had a bigger vision for me, and um, he almost kind of forced me to go like. You need to go to Missouri, and, mm -hmm. and and that's how Missouri transpired. And my uncle, you know, he gave me the uh, he gave me 
positive feedback on why I need to come there. So uh, that's when I chose Missouri. You know, when I first met you, man, I loved your energy right away, man. Yeah. Right away, yeah. I was like, you know what? With this guy, I kind of click. You know, it's, I don't, you know, as a guy who, you know, I smile a lot and I get along with a lot of people, you know, I, I never get this feeling. I've got this feeling, I mean, I mean, obviously my friend with you, with Bobby Porter, like it's certain people who have like the, yeah. the energy, we click. Uh, did anybody else ever told you that? Yeah, yeah. My spirit. Uh, <laughs> yes. just, just being through what I've been through. Uh, a lot of people don't know my story, um, but just being through what I've been through, my mindset is always, um, you know, you got to have a positive spirit. You got to have a good mindset. Uh, every day is not promised. Yes. So every day I'm taking advantage of and I'm just keeping a positive attitude. Man, did you, did uh, people, how was people in Missouri, did they like welcome you or how was it? Yeah, they, they welcome me. That's how that's how the junkyard dog got discovered. Um, you know, Missouri is a big basketball school. Uh, we hate KU, <laughs> FY, but um, Missouri is a big basketball school. They opened their arms, and uh, and I went there and I just got to work, and, and they fell in love with me. Uh, all the fans fell in love with me. Oh man, you know. By the way, when you're talking to me about you know or the American culture or, or like colleges, yeah, just pretend I'm a two year old kid because I don't know nothing. Oh, you I'm, I'm learning through the podcast <laughs> and everything. No, really. So did you? Okay, so you fit in right away. Did you? Did you have any like? Was there anybody who was like, ah oh, man, uh, he just got here. Maybe you know, was a little bit weird or it wasn't like it was just cool. Uh, I did. You know, you always gonna get that tension. Uh, mm -hmm. You you have guys you know that feel threatened when you come in. Uh, guys. Former guys who was who was there, um, guys who was playing already, uh, they f they felt threatened, you know. And I came in, my uncle, the head coach, so a lot of guys was on the fence about me. But at the end of the day, I just try to come in with that positive mindset, positive spirit, and eventually they kind of shifted over on the other side of the fence. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. You know, Missouri. I'm not. I'm not sure if this is the same college, but you know, I had a teammate who played in Missouri, uh, Marcus Denman. Marcus Deming, yeah. Played, yeah. So he, we played together, but uh, see, shout out to Marcus, man. Great teammate, Whew, amazing shooter. Uh, he actually plays in Greece right now, killing, killing. Killing, yeah, yeah. He's uh, yeah, I, I really clicked with this guy, he was, he was great too. But uh, okay, then, you know, you go through Missouri, all these things, and then let's go to like 2007, bro. Mm -hmm. So 2007 is kind of, you know, I've done my research, so I'm like, and I was reading that, I couldn't believe it, you know? So 2007 for you, for you was a year of, ah, I don't want to say weird, I don't want to say bad, but I want to say like- A challenging year, that's what I said. It was a, why was that uh, a challenging year? It definitely was a challenging year. Uh, my Me transferring there, trying to be fit in and be that guy and be trying to put that role on to be that captain of that yes. Missouri team. And my uncle holding me at a high standard. I try to take a lot of accountability on myself, and um, I try to make sure that all my teammates and brothers wasn't in harm's way. And with doing that, you know, things happen that's out of your control. So, um, yes. you know, I was basically the de designated driver. Um, one night we had a party. I mean, you know, this campus party. It was a campus party. Um, I think it was more particular homecoming. Um, my teammates and a couple other guys, you know, got into it, got the, um, you know, going back and forth. Um, as, a, as a fight or got it like verbally? I think it started inside the club. And oh, then, okay. And then it worked its way out. But it wasn't physically, it was just verbally just like. Nah, it was verbally. They were just okay. talking back and forth. Um, okay. With them talking back and forth, we didn't expect what, what happened, um, you know. I tried to jump in the way and get one of my teammates and say, come on, let's go, everybody, let's go. We need to get up out so of here. Wait, so basically it was verbal and then he escalated. It escalated, yeah, yeah. It escalated. And what happened? And then me pulling my teammate back, somebody, you know, that he was into it with, pulled out a gun and he attempted to try to shoot his leg, you know. Why, why his leg? I have no clue. That's all from the information I got after everything happened, he was trying to shoot his lead in his in his basketball career. Um, he he was for sure uh, one of our top players at the time. Uh, so me grabbing him and trying to get him pushed back, I ended up getting shot. So I got shot in in my lower extremity. Um, Hold up, I'm sorry, I don't, I don't want to interrupt you, but so the guy shoots, you grab your teammate back, 
and you ended up getting shot. I ended up getting shot. Did your teammate get shot? No, no. So you just pulled him out the way. So I pulled him out the way and I got shot through the leg. No, 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 not not because you got shot, not because you got shot, because, you know what I'm saying, you. Yeah, I was being a good teammate. I I, I was, it always happened like that, you know? The guy who's trying to, you know, help the other person, usually something happens to him, but. When I got shot, I took one step. Everybody started running. Um, it was a whole big crowd. Everybody took off. I took one step. I fell straight to the ground. Um, and I had no clue why. And then I just felt this burning pain that I probably can't even describe. You know, um, It went right through my leg. Then my brother and you know a couple of more of my teammates, they rushed me to the hospital. Um, on my way to the hospital, I'm just in my head, like my career is over with, you know, and then I get to the hospital and the bullet missed my Achilles by a hair. So, and, and we got the x-rays and he was like, you're the luckiest, you know, person probably on this planet at this moment. And I never, I, I didn't, the first thing I said was I'm not the luckiest, I'm the blessed, I'm blessed. You're so blessed, with that being said, the bullet went through. It didn't hit. It didn't touch nothing. By the grace of God, and uh, you know, I live to tell this story. Man, did you, how did your brother react? Ah, uh, he was. He I can was only trying, imagine he, if that happened he to was, me, I would be. He was trying to go find the guy, but by then <laughs> everybody had took off. So his main focus was like, "Hey, let me make sure to get my brother to the hospital." And uh, did, I appreciate him for that. Did you did you ever end up finding who did it? Who was it? No, I don't, I don't, they still haven't found out who did it. Um, it was unfortunate, but at the end of the day, man, I, I live to be able to tell that, you know, young individuals, like, you know, sometimes, you know, when you're doing verbal altercations, yes. sometimes you gotta be the bigger person and kind of tone it down and, and or just walk away, just walk away. Uh, you never need to escalate nothing. Hey, hey, brother, I'll tell you one thing. Uh, taking the high road yeah. is never crowded, brother. Yep, never crowded. Never. Never crowded. Yeah. Your thing. You ain't no, I'm saying we're here to, you know, live our life, take care of our families, and, you know, there's ain't no worries about anything yep. else, man. And I would say, you, you know what? You're blessed, and he's lucky, the guy who did it, because they know what nobody ever. Never, yes, yes. <laughs> but hey. <laughs> it's all good, man. It's, it's it was a story I, I I'm here to tell, and 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 hopefully one day I can, you know, telling this story can kind of help one of these young guys in college man. that's in an altercation. I have so many questions, but I don't know which one to start with. Did you learn the lesson, or maybe did this teach you? A, was it a teaching moment for you? Maybe. Yes, yes, for sure, very teaching. Uh, trying to be the hero sometimes. Is not the right route, you know. Uh, you know, once once that function had left, I mean, was closed. I probably should have just left and then stay back to try to help, you know, get my teammates out of there. He was just trying, but you. But was I was trying, trying to do the right thing, and and, that, and that, that's yeah. usually what happens. But at the same time, man, like I said, like you said. The high road isn't crowded, so you could take this high road sometimes. Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, it's, it, it's crazy. You go through so many emotions when you, you know, tell this story. I can only imagine like my, something like this happening to a close yeah. person of mine. I would be. Ooh. It was it was it was a tough situation, but we got through it. What, what did what like what did your family say? Uh, at the time, I think my mom would. She, my mom and my dad, they were they was. They was understandable. I mean, they was understand. They understanding what, what I tried to do and what I attempted to do. So I think they gave. I was noble for that, but they was freaking out at first. Yeah, that's yeah. what I'm saying. Yeah. I didn't know they yeah. they come and collect it. Like, yeah, my baby, my yeah. baby, yeah. Shot yeah. They, <laughs> they were freaking out at first, but it was, but it was. It, it's a story that they, they, you know, they tell the testimony. You know, yes. I'm, I'm a PK, so my my dad and my mom both are pastors. Uh, so I feel like. They keep praying for me, praying yes. over me. That's why I just keep getting blessed and blessed every year. You know what's so crazy? I actually just found out like, uh, it might've been like a month ago, what a PK means from, PK, co- oh, from uh, Coach Vin. Oh, okay, okay. The pastor's kid. I, yeah. did, I, didn't, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. I was like, oh man. 
Man, I, so I know you're blessed, brother. You, yeah. You're blessed. And then, okay, this happens. And then you, you just went, when, when did you practice again? Did you go? Uh, no, nah, I, I was out for probably a good five, five months, four or five months. Yeah. Oh, he was out. Yeah, I was just rehabbing. Um, this year was actually the year I transferred. So when you transfer, you had to sit out a year. So oh, this okay, was the okay. year I had to basically sit out. So, so that I, was kind of. Like, yeah, I didn't have to rush back. You know, get the full, uh, heal fully. Yeah, yeah. I, it happened at, you know, it happened, it happened at a time that I think was beneficial on my behalf. Let's just put it that way. Oh, man, it was. It was. And then, okay, you know, I was doing my research and I was reading all these things. I was like, man. And this guy's like next door. Yeah, you yeah, know? yeah. <laughs> and okay, so okay, 2007 this happened. And then you go 2009. Okay, and then you get diagnosed with like a liver disease, bro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like like weeks before the draft. Weeks before the draft. Yeah. Like, what's going on? It was crazy. Uh, that put me try to crack my spirit more than being shot. I really? Like, yeah. At that time, <clears throat> when I got diagnosed, I think I was playing at a really high level in college. Um, you know, I could see my visions, my vision, what I've been visualizing my whole life, my whole career about to flourish. But then I get hit with, hey, you got a liver condition and it's not curable. You know, I immediately just went back to a dark place uh, for like a week, a week. And then my dad, just my dad being able to talk to me and get in my head and, and basically tell me that, you know, you're gonna sit in your room and cry and coop up and, and because you got a liver condition or you're gonna get out and you're gonna be a, a testimony for everybody who might be fighting or having a liver condition that might wanna play in the NBA. So that's when I took that mindset and I shifted and shifted my whole spirit and I said, you know what? I'm going to be an advocate. I'm going to go out here. I'm going to start a foundation. I'm going to go out here and I'm going to go and try to play in the NBA. If it happens, it happens. If it don't, it don't. And for me, it happened. So I'm blessed, man. Yeah. And I and I went through the whole draft process. I, I think I worked out for like, it was like 22, 23 teams. Man. I'm coming down on the draft. At first, I wasn't even in, in, in projected. I was so far out. I got MVP of Portsmouth. Oh, you went to Portsmouth. For, for those who don't know yeah. overseas, I want to explain a little bit what kind of Portsmouth and how they told us from overseas. I don't know if it's true. Right? Yeah. So the way they told us overseas was that the number one priority before you get drafted, you want to go to the draft combine, the yep. draft combine. And then you decide if you want to go to Portsmouth because Portsmouth was all the guys who are going late second or, or, or outside of the projections. Yeah, so they yeah, is that true? Is that they, accurate? Or? It's seniors, right? Okay, you got to be a senior, and it's like if you go on late in the draft, like you just said, that's pretty accurate. Or you projected maybe to go late first, but Portsmouth is to give those seniors a, a, a extra boost because these young guys gonna come in, and you know they're gonna get drafted off potential. But seniors mm. sometimes when you're a senior, they look at you as you. You know, you you you're aging. You know, you come into the NBA at 23, 22, 23 years old, and I can have a guy who's eighteen, seventeen, and I can mold him to the to the player I need to be. So, it gives you that little extra level of cushion, Portsmouth. So, I went to Portsmouth, and I got MVP of Portsmouth. And the funniest thing is, in my head, I'm like, man, I was first team All Big Twelve. I was big. Big 12 MVP at Missouri. I was I led my team to the lead eight. And in my head, I'm like, I, I don't hear no chirping from no agents. Like, what in the world? So then I went to Portsmouth. And when I got MVP of that, everybody just flooded me. Like agents flooded me. Everybody flooded me. And that's when I would start. I, I signed with Mark Barterstein Priority Sports. And that's when I did. He told me we need to work out, give ourselves a chance. I worked out for 22, 23 teams. I went from not even being projected to be drafted to now I didn't came all the way down to like mid first round. So I'm Ooh. like, so once, so once that happened, <laughs> I went to the combine. 
So okay. I'm like, all right, I'm mid first round. Okay. I'm walking in the combine like, hey, I'm mid first round. I get in there, they pull my paperwork. I mean, they did the blood tests and all those types of things. And then come back, I had a liver, a liver, which I already knew I had the liver, yes. but I didn't think that would harm me. And then the next day I went from mid first round to nobody even got me on their radar. So. In the blink of an eye. In the blink of an eye. They raised the red flag. Every team raised the red flag. So my agent, give him credit, Mark Bartestein again. Uh, we got with one of the liver specialists, one of the top liver specialists in the world. We got on the phone and Mark and the liver specialist, my dad, me, we called my uncle, we called teams one by one and we, we tried to, you know, educate them on what the actual condition is. And you know how I still can have a lengthy NBA career and how this not gonna affect me until the latter part of my life. So everybody was kinda on it, but you know, you had these everybody was kinda on it, like, uh, I still don't think I'm gonna like take them. Okay. So I'm going in the draft. I don't even know if I'm gonna get drafted. Mm. But I have my draft party at my dad's church. So we had so I'm thinking I might go late second round. I'm like, I might go late second round. We get the number twenty seven pick. And then the Memphis Grizzlies, they took a chance on me. And ever since then, man, my life been blessed. My life been blessed. And uh, it was one of the most happiest moments I have ever had in my life. So I'm here to say that, you know, you can fight through anything, man. Just because, you know, you have a condition doesn't mean that you stop there. You know, you exactly. keep pushing. Uh, and you keep trying to be an advocate and keep trying because there's a lot of people that still look up to you. Yes, yes. Yeah. Oh, I, most definitely. I mean... You see, like all these kids look up to us, and they they inspired, and 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 I think that the, the reason is because we really live our dreams. We live out our dreams. Yep. We yep. set out to be what we want to be, and we do it. You yep. know. So you don't get like you looking around. You're trying to figure out if you're gonna get drafted. Uh, was there any team that said like, "Oh, okay, we like you. Yeah, we want you in the team, but nah." Like, and you don't have to name teams because obviously. No, you know, no, was, no. Yeah, it was a, it was a bunch. It was like, of, yeah, it was it, it was a bunch of a bunch of those teams that that basically just told me, we can't take the risk. Taking you is a risk. We can't take the risk. And to this day, it be certain doctors when I go to certain teams and and I and I go to certain places that I built relation with these doctors and 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 they tell me. We made it. We made. I made. We made a mistake. Like we. We didn't. We didn't. Of course. Educate. Of course, they made a mistake. But we, it's normal. We didn't sure. educate ourselves enough <laughs> to be able to understand what was going on. So, and that, and and that really kind of helped my spirit and helped me realize that you know, like, wow, this is this is the thing. This is this is what I'm talking about. This is the business side of yeah. of, of the NBA and of the league and of sports. Yep. Because from the one standpoint that that is that okay. Talent, you know, uh, potential, mm -hmm. and all these things. But from another standpoint, is you're an investment. Yes, you're an investment. You're yes. Investment. Everything counts. Everything counts. You know, uh, you have you have, you hear stories that people would go way back and check people's backgrounds, where they live, and who they hang out yeah. with. Yeah, yeah, for and sure. Then, and then you have like guys saying, "Is he a good guy? What about his family? Is his family gonna, you know, um, gonna talk to him about working hard about right. all these things?" Right. It's just, it's a synergy of all of these things to, for you to be, for them to bet on you, let's say, and succeed. But let me ask you, dude, was there any workout you like you was killing? You were like, man, yeah, I'm getting drafted. This is where I'm going. Yeah, and I and I talk about this all the time. It was <laughs> Detroit Pistons. I thought for sure, you know, they was going to draft me. They had number fifteen pick. I remember like yesterday, uh, and they told me they brought me in like I had a crazy workout. Like I was the junkyard dog in that workout. Every loose ball, I was, you know, I was knocking down my shot. I was playing defense. Like I was doing everything. I was competing at the highest level. Who who, who was you in draft workout? Who were you playing against? You remember? Um, yes, um, Austin Day. At that time, Dewan Summers. I think at that time, and it was one more guy, maybe Jonas Jarepko, I'm thinking, maybe. Um, but that workout, I know I killed it 
And then they brought me in. They set me down. They was like, we're going to take you at 15. 15, you you what Detroit needs. They need a junk. They need, you know, a junkyard dog. We need to keep Dude, that. Keep, we do fit the yeah, Detroit standards. The grid. Yeah, all that. that. So when they told me that, I'm like, I go home. I'm telling my dad. I'll tell my agent. My agent like, yeah, you can't believe some of these. Like, they'll tell you anything. Don't. But in my head, I'm like, I am one of the truck. I'm telling my brother and my my boys, hey, I think I'm locked in in Detroit number 15. So when I got hit at the combine with that news, it was like somebody just stabbed you in your chest. Like, so it it was it was a misfortunate thing, but in the end, it worked out for me. You know, yes. and God will never give you nothing you can't handle. So, and yes. I believe that. So. Um, that's why I always say I'm blessed, man. My spirit is always right because it could have went a totally opposite way. Could have went. It could have. It could have. Man, this is this is it's great, man. I just you know just to hear the stories from you, yeah, and your perspective, and not just in the article. Yeah. So you get to the you get to you eventually get to the NBA. Got to the NBA. Drafted 27. Memphis Grizzlies. Hey, welcome to the NBA moment. My biggest welcome to the NBA moment. <laughs> You're going to trip out about this one. This is, oh, which one it is. Yeah, I, I got so many. It's, it's you crazy. Just go, you can say one or two. It's crazy because when I was in Memphis, my, my welcome to the NBA moment was when I realized that, hey, man, I'm in the NBA. These guys got money. <laughs> my big vet, Zach Randolph, a lot of you know Zach Randolph. He was, he was my bet when I got to Memphis, the best guy. People look at him, they think he's scared, but he's the... You know, he's, he came to our rookie transition camp and talked to the Man, he like kept it, like 100% real and at the same time, like offered to help you. Like, man, yeah, you. yeah, the best. He he He's a... What he intimidate people is he he's so real. He's so real that people get scared. Like, mm. oh man, this guy, but there's no fake about him. So... He was my vet. So one day I come in and I come in and he was like, hey, hey, little bro, little bro, come here. I was like, what's up, what's up, bro? He was like, I need you to go get me some white, some white ones. I was like, you what your white ass was? All right, all right, cool, I'll give you. And he pulled out a wad of money and it was about, it was like seven, 8,000. He handed it to me, I said, I said, what you need, only one? And he was like, yeah, I just need one to bring. I said, "What's all this? I don't need all this." He was like, "Just go and you know, just, and just get one, and, 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 and whatever the rest, we'll figure it out." So, I go. I'm like, you know, I'm gonna be smart. He might be testing me. Let me see. Uh, I'm gonna grab about eight or ten of them. So I grab about eight or ten of them, and I brought them back to change. I think change probably about it wasn't even that about six thousand probably. And I was like, "Here you go, big bro." He was like, nah, you keep that. He, he grabbed, pulled out another four thousand. He was like, huh, make that 10. Here you go. There you go. And I was like, I said, what in the world? Where where am I? You know what I'm saying? What's going on? Like, so that was a unreal moment, like to see 10,000 first time in my hand, like, oh my God, like this is crazy. So he kind of ever since then. When I grew up and I became a vet, I started trying to do the same thing. For exactly. Them. And that's what I feel like all vets should do. You know, these rookies come in and they come into this life that they never had before. And, you know, to make them feel special and feel good at that moment, man, is unreal. So that was definitely an unreal moment for me right there. That one was. What, up, what about game? Game-wise, I had the best seat in the house and that was on the bench. That was on the bench. <laughs> like. I got courtside seat on the bench. And uh, to be able to watch Kobe, you know, do what he did to the Grizzlies and, and, you know, keep a straight face and some of the shots he was hitting, I feel like that was that was like more of a unreal moment. And then after I traveled around the league, I went to Utah. And a lot of my guys remember this was when I was chirping at Kobe. Yep. And 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 I was sitting on the bench, and basically I woke up the bear, and he went for like 
15 straight points. It was crazy. And everybody on the bench got mad at me, like, man, leave him alone. Like, why are you messing with him? He wasn't even. And that, when I was in Utah, that was that was like the crazy unreal moment. I'm like, wow, this guy's crazy. Like, so I had a lot of unreal moments. And when you get in the NBA, it's crazy to see these guys and how much talent they got and some of the shots they hit. And and the older you get, you know, it's not the same when you first get in. So those was a couple of unreal moments, but yeah, I I, I remember so my so the first time I played in the NBA it was through a call up because you know I was with the I was with the Knicks, but Knicks. I was I was, yeah, I was yeah. playing at the, G, at the G League with uh you know Jimmy Fredette and Langston Galloway with a lot of guys. Yeah. And I get a call up and I'm like, oh my God, I'm gonna play in the NBA and I'm gonna play for the Knicks. So I'm hyped and I'm geeked. I'm like, oh my God, I can't believe this. I walk to the locker room, I'm looking at my jerseys. I'm like, I'm having goosebumps. I'm sending pictures to my friend to the group. I'm mm-hmm. sending pictures to my dad. I'm like, look at my jersey. I'm in the NBA. All right, right, right. Like, right. I, you already, like the way, you know what I'm saying, where we come from, I grew up. Then uh, we kind of played some teams, didn't play, and then all of a sudden we played the Warriors. But I'm talking the Warriors, not like the torching, like the, the first year, like, Killing, like they're just everything. Every game is 20 points. Yeah. Every game is 20, 25. So, you know, we're losing the game. All of a sudden, uh, I had coach uh, Derek Fisher and coach Kurt Rambis. And yeah. Just throws me and it's like, go, Diego. Obviously, we're down a lot. Right. But I'm so hyped. I'm not even looking at the score. And they had a, I think, kind of think they had a, they had a point guard, Ian Clark. I'm pressing. Ian Clark, full, yeah. I'm yeah. pressing full court. Like, it's, bro, like, I'm about to. Like I'm playing life and death. I'm pressing for. I'm trying to get a steal and everything. And then all of a sudden I hear somebody from the bench go like, "Hey, you better calm down. Look at the score, man. You you're not supposed to be pressing." I look, and it was uh, Draymond. But what, by the way, now we have great relationship with uh, with Draymond. And I looked at him. I said, like, "I was like, am I not supposed to press? Like what? Like I'm not supposed because you know in my head I'm like yeah, I don't yeah, know yeah. nothing. You don't know about nothing. Yeah. I'm le- I'm le- I learned like." I mean, you know, in Europe, it does, doesn't matter. In Europe, you play, it's 40 minutes. Like, you play every every second of it. So I'm pressing all these things. You know, I ended up, like, getting the ball dug in it. It was a play. I have the ball in the corner. We're playing triangle offense. So if I get it in the corner, the guy will come for a screen. But I always knew I always reject. So I get the ball. Like, he, ch- he charged the, like, it was, was it Brandon? Uh, I don't know who, who was guarding me. And I, like, jabbed him and went all the way to the, to the baseline, just dunked it and looked up. And when I look up, I see like my dad, everybody's going crazy. Oh, it's your friend yeah, basket yeah, yeah, yeah. on this. And I said, this is it, bro. This is like, this is an unreal feeling, mm-hmm. you know? But those moments, like that that sequence was for me, like I, I understood three things right away. I was like, okay, there's a certain uh, level of like, uh, way with pl- how players perceive things, like you know how Jamal was like, "Hey, chill, bro. you ain't got to, you ain't got to press, you yeah, ain't got to do all that." Sure. Right. The second thing was like, if I, you can really out hustle guys in this yep, league, yep, yep, because some guys, certain minutes, they don't want to play, they don't want to play, exactly. Yep, yep. And the third one is like, you can't, like you, you really got to be aggressive. This is the NBA. If you're, if you're passive, if you're passive, you're just gonna. You gotta. You gotta be more assertive. You gotta exactly. assert yourself. Exactly. So not enough about this. I'll just nah, want to say because I thought about it. You made me uh, go back a little bit. To, yeah, that's good. You should you should revisit those moments sometime. You know, it it, it makes you cherish and appreciate yes. what you're doing now. So, and that yes. and that's my biggest key when I, especially shifting over to this coaching thing. Um, I was about to ask you about that. I mean, a little bit later, but I was about to ask you about yeah, that too. Yeah, the shift over to the coaching, I feel like that the biggest thing that I can offer to a kid is something that I regretted when I was playing. And, and I, I was too young and too immature and too stubborn to not understand. And now that I can see it, I can go tell this person so they don't make the same mistake. Yes. I feel like that's the biggest thing that I, I could change a person's life, a coach. If you could, a coach can change a person's life by doing that, yes. telling them, no, don't do that. Yes. Or no, yes, do that. Or relax, don't have an attitude. So I feel like that's the biggest key as a coach, you know. Coaches can change a kid's life. And I feel like that's why I went into coaching because I have a lot to offer. Yeah, I, I think I think you do, man, from your knowledge to the game. And you know, like, 
you're one of those guys who I think, you know, you be uh, an NBA player, a professional player, then he's going to transition so much yeah. into yeah. into uh, coaching and learning how to, like, to, you know, read the player in his mind. And, and even, in, you know, in the skill set. And you're in a great system. Yeah, great system. Great yeah. system. You know, it's that, it's that, uh, I don't, I don't, I don't know how to say it. It's that uh, that culture that uh, I don't want to say San Antonio Spurs because we're kind of we're kind of building our own farm here. Yeah, kind of like the Milwaukee Bucks. Yeah, Milwaukee Bucks is a, you know same farm. Yeah, because you got that that San Antonio. I feel like that's one culture, and it's, I feel like Coach Bud went to Atlanta and formed the culture and came to Milwaukee and he he's yes. that's when he stamped his culture yes. you know winning the championship 100%. Here. he stamped his culture he stamped his tree from you know Darvinham to Taylor Jenkins to all those guys going and getting Damn. head coaching jobs uh it just tells the value of how good coach Bud is yes. you know and and what he means to the NBA game yes yes and and plus that did you say it Atlanta and I'm gonna take you a little bit, a little bit in the middle, you know, of the journey. Yeah, man, being in the Eastern Finals, not once, not twice, maybe is it three times? Or two? Yeah, I think we went three. We went three times. I, w I went once with Atlanta and twice with Toronto. Toronto. Yeah, uh, we'd love to you talk about it a little bit. Which one was the best experience of, for you in the? In the uh, it, had, it has to be Atlanta. I think Atlanta. That's when I was the healthiest. Uh, I think that's when I had, you know the best opportunity, you can't stop a guy like LeBron, but to slow him down. Uh, when I got to Toronto, I was a little injured. Uh, my knee was injured. Um, I never got back to the full health that I needed to even stop, slow a person like LeBron down. So when I was in Atlanta, I feel like that was, that was my opportunity. You know, that year we won 60 plus games. We set the record. You know, we had four guys in the All-Star which I still think I should have been an all-star. Um, we won. Who was, the, who was the four guys? Four starters besides your boy. So right. who, was the, who was the starting? Who was Jeff Teague. Shout out to Jeff. Shout out, Jeff. <laughs> Paul Millsap, Al Horford, Cal Corbett. Mm. And then I was the, uh, the fifth one. Um, but we had four guys in the all-star. We got player of the month. Um, I think it was January. We didn't lose a game. Um, all five guys got player of the month. We was going into the playoffs on a high. It was, it was, we got the East Conference Finals and we get to LeBron first game. We're going in a half. I think we up by eight or 10. We like, oh yo, we, this is good. We, yeah. then we come out and Matthew Deladova dives at Kyle's Corver ankle and oh, breaks his ankle. So that's one injury that went down. Then I think Al, did some dislocated pinky through that game. I mean, that game, that was another injury. And then I think that's when I tried to do like a Euro and my knee buckle. And that was th like, we had three injuries going against the greatest player <laughs> in the world at that time. And we weren't stopping him. Um, so we lost all four and hey, and that was it. That was like the it of the Atlanta era. You know, yes. and that's when I went to Toronto, and that team kind of broke up after that. What was that? So favorite moment uh, in your career throughout the not just playoffs and like a basket or a play uh, or anything. My favorite moment is weird because I I had a lot of good moments, and it's a weird moment. And I always think of this moment is when I was in Brooklyn. This after I went to Toronto and and. And my knee was, you know, was, wasn't was right, basically. It wasn't right. Um, I couldn't play at the level I wanted to play at. Toronto shipped me out of there. They shipped me to Brooklyn. Brooklyn was the worst team at, at that time. So they they traded me to Brooklyn. Yes. But God, you know what I'm saying? God, you know, had something in store for me. And he sent me to Brooklyn because it wasn't coincidental that Kenny Atkinson, uh, was with me in Atlanta a good person. and he was in Brooklyn and they shipped me to Brooklyn and I get to Brooklyn. They're the worst team in the league. So I get there, I get all these young guys. I get D'Angelo Russell, Karis LeVert, Jared Allen, 
Man, there's some hoopers, man. The list goes on. We have all these different guys, and they got me as a vet, mm. you know, coming in, and I got to help these guys grow. So that's when in my head I was like, you know what, I maybe can do this coaching thing. So my biggest moment was getting back healthy and hitting a, a buzzer beater against Cleveland that took us to overtime because to be in that moment – from thinking about where I was a year or two ago with the injuries and almost injuries pushing me out the league. I was to hit that that buzzer beater to take us to overtime. That was like one of the big moments for me. Like, wow, I faced all adversities, all injuries, and I hit this shot. And you're still here. Yeah, I'm still here. So it was, that was a big moment for me, for sure. What about the worst moment? I mean, and you can take away injury. Worst moment was uh, – being injured, I think I never played, and, and I took a lot of ownership on on my own uh, mm -hmm. when I was in Toronto. You know, they brought me there to kind of help slow down LeBron and be yes. that guy. And just being injured, that really, 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 really hurt me. And I don't think fans don't realize how injuries can play a part into your game and how you, you know, and how you perform. So. Just being injured, that was the worst moment. Like, I was icing six, seven times a day, game ready, everything, and my knee just wouldn't go down. So I was just like, man, what in the world? So these are things that I went through. Then I still had to go out there and play, and I couldn't play at the level that I wanted to play at. So that was kind of the worst moment for me. Okay, I, so we, you know, we brought it a little bit down. What about the most funniest moment? Oh, the funniest moment is when uh, – <laughs> when we, when I remember Jeff Teague and um, they I think they popcorn Dennis knew um, he had some kind of new Audi. I don't know if it was an RA or whatever. They popcorn his car, right? And he was a rookie, so you know how he, you had Ricky Hazen. Yeah, they popcorn his car. We come back off the trip. Dennis get his car. <laughs> Dennis get to his car. He see the popcorn. He open it. You know how most rookies would be like, man, what in the world? Like, he opened it, looked at the popcorn, took all back downstairs, called the Uber, and just left the car there for like a week. And, uh, <laughs> and then I think Coach Bud was like, you know what? He told some of the guys, like, can y'all get this guy a car and just get it clean and get it fixed? <laughs> he just left it. He left the door open, left the keys, and he just walked off. And went oh, my God. Like, he was like, I'm not having none of that. Yeah, he was like... <laughs> For real, this what y'all did? All right, cool. And he just called his Uber, went home. And the car sat there for, with popcorn on the floor for about a week. We was like, somebody got to get it. Like, Anyway. Yeah, he ain't going. He ain't going. We're going to have to get this up. So that was funny. Dennis probably tell you that if you get on the show. That was funny. Oh, my God. Oh, man. All right, so now, uh, you know, we get to have a section. And I just, like, kind of ask you, like, some questions. You don't have to pick one. Yep. But you know, just tell me what you think. So, if you could be a member, right, of any like TV sitcom family, what would it be? Member, I want to be a. Uh, I just want to kick it at Martin Lawrence house. Martin? Yeah. Okay, I've watched it. Yeah, I'm. I'm be watching. Yeah, this. I want to be. I want like. But who are you gonna? Who are, Who are you? Oh, I might be Tommy. <laughs> <laughs> I would, I would love, you know, I would love to be. Um, you know what? No, no, I take that back. Who? I was Snowfall. I want to be uh, a Snowfall. Yeah, you like. You yeah, like that, uh, is that Dancing? Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He. Yeah. He. <laughs> he was my You would be like, but what, what would you? Who would you be? I'm saying his uncle. His uncle. Yeah, I might be his uncle. His yeah, uncle. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, what's the name? What's the name? Tyrone. <laughs> yeah, I'll be Tyrone. Okay, okay. okay. Obviously, it was about like a. Sitcom, uh, TV sitcom family. But yeah, I'll, I'll take that. I'll take that as an answer. I'll take it. It's valid. What is the best thing you've ever ate? Like, eating? Like, best thing? Best thing I ever ate? Yeah. Uh, yeah. You ever been to the, like, the Caribbean islands? Like, yeah. Turks and Caicos? Not uh, Turks and Caicos, Bahamo, but... Yeah. I'm in Bahamas. If you go there, you ever... Conk fritters. I'm going to try it. I'm going to try yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Conk fritters. See if you like it. You might like it. You know what I tried recently? Oh, my God. They're going to make so much fun of me now. And... Uh, on the on this part, but uh, so it was in New Orleans, 
chilling with the guys. We had like a team dinner. I mean, mm -hmm. a couple of guys. And I don't know if you know the story because they'd be saying it now in London. Yeah. So I had like turkey neck. Turkey neck. Yeah. You want turkey neck? Turkey hut? No, I was, I was just I was just in the restaurant there and they had some plates. And I was like, what is, what is this? I keep having like kind of this kind of big and it had like bones in it. Like, and I was like, what is this? He's like, yeah, uh, it's turkey neck. Now, I get the chicken, I get the everything, but he was like turkey neck. And I looked at it, I was like, and I ate it and it was delicious, bro. Delicious. Yeah, you might like, And I had like 10 of them. You might like frog legs. You had frog legs? No. Try some frog legs. Uh, I'm from the South. I'm from Alabama, Birmingham, Alabama. So we, we eat a lot of like frog legs, stuff like. I want to try. Yeah. Definitely want to try some. I want to try some. Kind of kind of was thinking about it too. I was like, man, how come I've never tried none of, none of it was both? And I said, I can't remember the name of the restaurant, but it was delicious. But this, they kept making fun of me because I kept like, just, I ate like 10 of them, bro. Yeah. But, uh. Okay, so I'll, so I'll hit you with the next one. If you could read the mind of one celebrity, bro, who would it be? You said if I can. Read the mind of a, of one celebrity. You gotta pick one. Who uh, would it be? One celebrity. Um, Tiger Woods. Tiger Woods? Yeah. Why? Mentally, to play in an individual sport and, you know, you know how much mentally you have to how I mean, mentally he's one of the, strong he's one of the best. Uh, obviously, we can't argue that. But. Yes, like he's and it's an individual sport. It's not like a team sport. It's yes. just him by himself. Him out down that golf course by himself with nobody, and he has to, you know, figure out how he can get the best out of himself. And, and, and that's something that intrigues me all the time. When people are like, it's an individual sport, and you can be the best at an individual. That's crazy to me. I was thinking about the same question, and the first guy who uh, like popped in my head was uh, Dwayne Johnson, like The Rock. Dwayne Johnson, yeah. But you know why? You know, just the way he—I would love to know the, the, his perspective on how he's built this. I don't want to say empire, but this this brand, brother, it's, it's incredible. Like, yeah. He went from WWE right to acting, and then from acting to get to another level, and then from that to being this amazing businessman, and then ownership yeah he's done all these things like so cool and if you look at him he obviously you know i don't know him personally to know it was his daily routine from the looks of it it looks like he works out every day yeah how do he find the time to do all not, yet, not to find the time but how does he kick the boxes like i do a lot of things mm -hmm. a lot of things mm -hmm. but how i would like to know the way he clicks all the boxes you know how the way he goes and says okay from 10 to 2 i gotta work on this from 12 to Four, I gotta do this, and then, and then I gotta be on set, on set all day, yeah, for like two or three weeks straight. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. how does he, you know, how does he do this? What's the process? Oh, okay, yeah. okay, that's pretty intriguing. Yeah. So, I'm gonna give you some amazing facts, and okay. you tell me if you know them. Don't lie though. I'm not gonna lie. You're gonna tell me if you knew them. What is? Do you know? Do you first of all, do you like karaoke? Karaoke. Karaoke, yes. Sorry, my, my yep. accent. Yep. Karaoke. You know? Yeah, karaoke. You, do you know what it means? Karaoke, no, have no clue. So it, it basically, yes, yes. Final, got it, got one. So it means, karaoke means em, empty orchestra in Japanese. I had no clue, had no clue that. But everybody loves karaoke, right? Have you ever been karaoke? Everybody loves karaoke, but <laughs> that's not, I'm not a karaoke guy. Let's put it that way. But have you ever been in a party with karaoke? Yeah, I've been. I've been to party. I never participate because I can't sing. You got to be able to at least hold a hold a note, and I can't do that. So, nah. <laughs> what do you do? Okay, so what, what kind of music do you listen to though? Uh, I'm an R and B guy. Ah, oh, R and B guy. Uh, Give me a top five. Oh, here you go. You want to put me on the spot? Oh, okay. Right? Just give, give me, give me somebody you just recently listened to. Just one. Donnell Jones. Is it good? I've never listened to it. Donnell Jones is good. And please, people don't on the internet don't bash me because I don't like. No, I no, you listen. Donnell Jones is, is amazing. You know, you got guys like I like old R and B with guys who actually can sing and really, okay. you know, they put their heart out in in a song. They tell you a story in their song. Mm. You know, so and and I think that's what we need. We need that old R and B back. You know. Where guys are making you visualize something just by singing it. We need that R&B back, you know. Oh, 
And that's what I miss. Yeah, that's what we miss. Yeah. I love R&B, but. Okay, now the, <laughs> this, is good. this is good, becoming a meme. Okay, hold up. This is one of the, so I go through facts and I read them and then mm -hmm. I, you know, I like to kind of make it educational a little bit. So, yep. do you know why bananas are like curved? <laughs> no, seriously, do you know? Why? Do you know why? So, okay. So, but the reason they're curved is because they go through a process and the process is called like negative geotropism. Exactly. Yeah. Negative geotropism, which basically allows like the fruit to grow, to grow kind of upwards towards the sun. And that's why like it's instead of the crown. So that's why it's like this. It's like curved to the to the top. Yeah, I probably would never. I I would have never known that. It's a fun. It's a great fact though. That's like, a crazy fact. That's not no fun. That's crazy. Like a girl. Oh my god! You should have seen what I hit the uh, other guests with. They was like, "What? Yeah, like, what? Okay, what?" I give her the last one. And you tell me if you knew this, right? On average. Right. On average, you like. So first of all, do you like shopping? Do you go shopping? I'm a big shopper. Like, really, I love shopping. Shopping is my piece. What's your favorite store? Dolce Gabbana. Every Why? day. Um, I'm gonna like, hit you with something crazy now. I like Dolce Gabbana because it, it, it's when I like clothes. I like to feel the thread. I like to feel the yes. thread count. I like to feel the material. Uh, Dolce Gabbana definitely has. The thread count and the material that can last over a long, you know, span. You know, yes. you could wear, you could have a Dolce Gabbana jogging suit for three, four years, and Dolce give you some of that, that little spice. You know, like, oh, yes, it it does. It, it, you know, so during the summer, I did a uh, shout out to the MBPA by the way. They had a great uh, business, kind of like a three, four days business school. Yep, yep. And uh, I, I was there. And it was in Milan. So, and then they had us visit, you know, different, different, you know, brands. And they, mm -hmm. one of the brands was, was uh, Dolce, Dolce and Gabbana. I'm going to say, by the way, the Italian way, uh, Dolce and Gabbana. Gabbana. Dolce and Gabbana. Yes. <laughs> and uh, so we went to their headquarters and they had like this really nice, I don't want to call it mansion, but it was like a pal like a, like a small palace. Like everything was so baroque, so classic, you know, so, so we walk in. And they would have this, not cloak, but this like huge, like golden. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And it would cost like, I can't even say the number. Yeah, I could, I, I, like, I'm saying the same, the number. And, you know, we walked through all these things and we, it was with other NBA players, NBA players, I don't want to say the names, but they were there, you know. And we all were like, man, people really buy this. Yeah. And they do. And the reason they do is not just because you're buying the material, you said is because they're buying the brand mm -hmm. the brand and if you see all those brands are selling the italian culture mm -hmm. because they want you when you wear dolce and gabbana to feel like you're in italy, italy. yep that's it. so it's it's it was it was very it was very uh, you would love it there man oh uh, yeah you would love it I, I promise you would be like oh man this this is great i mean and you know they have obviously they went this we went to the stores and it was, it was great yeah, yeah. to see you know, I mostly went because I, I would, you know, I do all these branding things and for the family branding, and now we have our own stores too. So I was kind of, you it know, good, yeah. collecting info. But okay, back to the shopping. I have a shopping fact for you. Okay, shopping fact. Did you know that on average, men get bored in like twenty six minutes of shopping? Yeah, yeah, I'm pretty. You, you, you know, you know how I knew that fact. <laughs> I went, I wasn't going to even say twenty six. I was going to say probably about. 30 minutes. 30 minutes. Uh, how I knew that fact? Because when I take my boys and I go to shop and to the mall, first 30 minutes, they're like, hey, man. Hey, cuz, man, when are you going? Like, you ready? Like, and, I, and I'm in there two hours. So I figured out a fact that when you go in there, you know, they offer you like free champagne to, I don't drink, but they offer yeah. your boys free champagne. And, and that's how I got them to stay. Like, hey, you know what? Can you give me some free champagne for these? And they and they good, but they stay thirty minutes. They first thirty minutes, they like, man, cuz, can we, can, can we, man? What are we finna do? Like, how long are you gonna be in here? And when I shop, it takes me two, three, four hours. Like, it's okay. So let me ask you a question. What is 
And now obviously you can you don't you don't need to answer this, but would be like fun for the for the audience. Uh, how much money have you ever spent mm. the most? Mm. And a shopping spree. On a shopping spree. spree is yeah. this a one day thing or is this a uh, like, you could you could put uh let's say a weekend thing. You go a weekend somewhere and you're like, oh, we're shopping. A weekend? Yeah. I remember this one particular time when I went when I think I was in New York. I did I did a lot of damage and I think I spent I'm still mad at myself about this. What, what, what is it? What is a lot of damage? What, it, what? what, what is a lot of damage to you? Let's, let's I, I, you don't have to ask me. I come from Greece. Greece, the minimum wage of others is like 800 euros. No, right? no, no, no. no. What is, what? So you got you to gotta tell me. You got to give me a. Give you a hard number? Yeah. I mean, you, somewhat, somewhat. Not exactly, but. Maybe 40,000. 40,000? 40,000. I had one shopping spree. I had 40,000. But I have. I had. It was just you, or nah, you had people? I have my my boys. Okay, it's family. Yeah, tell everybody, family. which okay. When I say okay, I don't mean like yeah, okay. It's you. You were supposed to spend forty, but, 40 but for me, just me personally, twenty, twenty, twenty-five, about twenty, twenty-five. I had a crazy moment uh, because it, you got to think about it. When you go in Dolce, you buy one item. It's it's about nine hundred dollars. Yeah. Yes, agree. Uh, and that's another reason why Dolce, I, I like. To me, Dolce is sexy. You mm. know? I like sexy clothes. I like when you walk out, you know, it, it, it hugs you, it fits you. It's, it's one of them sexy, like, dang, what's that? You know? Yes. So Dolce fits me and fits how my spirit and how I walk outside, like, dang, I'm sexy. You know what I'm saying? I'm feeling good. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That, that's how I walk out the house, like, every morning. If I throw a yeah, Dolce dog, jogging suit on, I'm like, man, I feel six. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and that's why I, my nickname, you know what I'm saying, when I was playing, like, every day, Mr. Every Day. Mr. Like, every Day. That was because I do this every day. That was my okay. – every day I'm doing this. <laughs> I do this every day, you know? That's like that's, – that's my <laughs> – Every day, Mr. Every Day, you know I what I'm saying? <laughs> oh my God, oh man. But that, this is the, like the good question. So you, you feel it like, even with me, I, you know, after like, you know, with nagging, I've never like shot, like I don't. It's crazy know. because now your 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 clothes, like, and I'm a Where? fashion guy, so I see fashion in, yeah. I, I see guys when I see a certain guy fashion shift and they started changing and yeah. you, you could see the transformation. And I seen your transformation. Yeah. I seen you go from straight Nike to now you like, oh, hold up, hold up. I, I like this fashion. I like oh, this man. fashion this, and you having fun with it. I'm having fun and with it. And it's like it, your spirit is. is it's, 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 it's good. It's, it's just good. like, it's fun for me. I, I get to, you know, I don't do it in game day. Like, I, you know, like I don't pick my, my office on game day. I, I kind of, uh, have him like you know monthly. Like monthly, I don't pick, okay, yeah, yeah, I don't pick, like I'm not gonna go on game day style and saying, oh, this is what I'm gonna wear. No, I got, we, I'm gonna I gotta be locked in. I gotta talk film with Jan. I gotta like you know I gotta I gotta yeah the whole yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's not like I I pick him on game day, but the interesting part is there is a big 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 difference between you know being fashionable and being like. After fashion, yeah, because after fashion is like everybody like okay, I want to spend some money, I can get something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Looks yeah. No, 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 no. But being fashion, like it's like you know what? Um, it doesn't matter what you wear; you just wear the you wear it, yeah, and the mm -hmm. way you carry it, the confidence, the way yes. you walk out. Like when I go to the grocery store, people people gonna be like, they always be like, "Oh, you look nice." Oh, I like like I like that compliment. Yes, I like when I go out and I represent my family like. Oh, this guy right here is fashionable. He, yes. he you know, he looks good. And, and my mama taught me that, you know, yes. early on when I was young. She was a, you know, we couldn't, we didn't, we didn't have the money like that. But she used to go to Walmart and get sweatsuits and matching sweatsuits yes. and get the pump ups and match it and the socks match and all that. So that's why I got into it. I've been into it. My mom been a big influence, and uh, I love fashion, bro. Like this is this is like we definitely, you know, what you do. So. Uh, I want. I got offered. I don't want to say the name on because I don't know yet if I'm gonna do it. But I got offered by one of the brands to do a walk 
uh, after the season. Yeah. You know. And I was thinking about it, but if, if I ended up doing it, you should you should definitely you should definitely yeah go, for like, sure for sure for sure and I'm, go. Uh, but it's no no so crazy. I kind of saw the same transition with you too because. You know, you being a player and now being a coach. Yes, yes. Like I see yes. you when you come to the game. Yes. You come, like you're like, you got your polo on, you got yes, this on. Yes. Like, okay, you can't yes. be. So being a coach, what I had to embrace being a coach now is, you know, you still can be fashionable, but some of the fashionable, you tone it down just a mm. little bit. But I still, Coach Bud still allows me to be myself you know when i come in and i wear a crazy outfit he he likes that and he mm -hmm. said it brings the joy to the coaching staff it brings energy it brings that lively and uh and that's what you know i'm i'm, I'm always gonna be me and yes. i'm always gonna dress the way i dress and i'm always gonna be into fashion but fashion has always been like a big I call it a hobby for me because yeah. it's fun. I love to do it. I love to go pick out clothes, sit there in the store two hours, match up clothes, yeah. you know what I'm saying, look in the mirror and, you know, look sexy. That's what <laughs> I call it, sexy. I kind of, you know, I kind of felt the same way too because, you know, I was doing all these things, but, you know, I'm, at the same time, you know, I'm a, I'm a businessman. Owner, yeah. I these things. Yeah. So at the same time when I go there and they, you know, see me with a suit, see me with they're like, oh man, you like, you really, yeah. you know, so I had to, you know, change and do it in the offices and got to, you know, kind of, but you know, I like it because I can't wear nothing crazy though. I can't, you know, sometimes you see something yeah. over the board, over, yeah. over, over yeah. the top, yeah. so I can't really do that. But I love like, in general. Uh, let me ask you something that, uh, has there ever been something that you wore, you're like, no, I don't like this, I'm taking this off. I can't, I can't rock this. No, it's, it has been something that I, I've, I've questioned myself on. Okay. Like, will I wear it? Like, should I wear this? But then I had to talk myself in the corner. I'm gonna get in the corner like, you know what? I'm Damari Carey, I'm Mr. Everyday. I'm finna put it on. I don't care what anybody says. Oh my God, can we cut this? Can we cut this? Cut this and put it on a social clip? <laughs> man, cut this and put it on a social clip. This is about to go viral, bro. Oh man, I'm Mr. Everyday. Mr. Everyday. I do this every day. Every day I'm doing this. <laughs> I love it, I love it. Oh man, but okay. And last thing, you know, I, I mean, obviously, I know you gotta, you gotta, you gotta do your thing. You gotta leave, but you have any like crazy fan stories? You know how you got those fans that they can't believe it's you, but then they can. Then you kind of throw them off, like they be like, "Hey, you're Demari, and I hit them with, "Nah, uh, Demari, man, I get that all the time." So, <laughs> but. I had one of those type of stories, but I really haven't had nothing crazy. You know, um, I'm pretty sure you probably had uh, yeah, way no, no, crazy. But, yeah, but I know what I would say is that there are some gay fans out there, bro, and, and people who, who generally really support you. Yes. And that's what we do. That's, what we, that's one of the reasons we play, too, at this the same time. Reason, you know, yeah. Some people who su really support you and support everything you do, not just basketball, like yep. really follow your career yep. and just like from the from the beginning to the end, you know? And there's some other people who are like more of, uh, it's, you know, or people who haven't met you kind of have an opinion. Yes. But, but yes. I always say like, there's never been a fan or somebody who I've met and shook their hand and never said like, oh man, I don't like this kid. I don't like his energy because I approach everybody with so much positivity, positivity yeah. and so much, you know, encouragement and, uh, and like understanding and empathy, which is like, you know, not like no brainer, you know. But man, so you know, kind of coming towards the end of the of the pod. But you know, before we leave, I always leave him with the, you know, either a motivational quote that 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 keeps you going every day, mm -hmm. or you know, a story or whatever. I don't want to you know put you in the spot. But no, I, uh, the quote I live by um, my whole life. I live by when I was playing. Um, I think you'll like this quote: um, "Hard work is a talent." Mm. Um, say it again, say it again. Hard work is a talent. And, you know, a lot of people think it isn't, but to get up every day and work hard and, and to do it consistently over and over, that's a talent. You know, a lot of people can't do that. Yeah, a lot of people can't that wake about, up. That's about to be my next, uh, my next caption or my next post. That's about that, man. 
Yeah, so right. and 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 I believe in that, man. I believe, you know, hard work is that because a lot of people just can't do it. You know, they, you know, to get up every day and work hard and, and to work your butt off to achieve your dream. You know, a lot of people they got all you always gonna have people that gonna bad mouth you or talk about you, but hard work is a talent because. You're working hard, you, you're achieving your dreams, you're doing everything that you need to do. And I'm a true believer that, you know, I might not be the most talented person. I always use this scenario. When I was in school and people always be like, Damari, how you got a 3.0? Or how you get first team all academic Big 12? I'm gonna be honest. I used to make C's, you know, on my tests. You know, I might, make a, I might surprisingly make a D, but I used to always do every extra credit. I used to do every assignment, every homework. I worked the next person. Yes. And I carried that to the court, you know? Every time I got in the gym, I wanted to outwork the next person. So that is a talent because that person can't do yes. what I did. They can't work as hard as me. They're not gonna outwork me because I feel like my hard, my hard work is my talent, and that's what I'm gonna do. And that's the type. That's my mindset. I believe it every day. And kid, any kid out there listening to this, hard work is a talent. You know, you might not be the most talented person, but if you work the hardest, I guarantee you're gonna reach the same goals. Exactly. And, you 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 cheat the you cheat the game. Or you cheat success. You cheat. Uh, whatever you want to do, you treat them good and they treat you back. Yep. Yep. You know, treat the game good and the game treats you back. The game treats you back. Respect. 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 Oh my God. We got welcome to the end of the show. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Yes, sir. Hopefully, you guys uh, get to enjoy our, our, our convo, uh, this podcast, this episode. Man, if you want to watch the social clips, you can go on Fanat Sante 43. Uh, if you want to watch the whole uh, video, you can watch out of the Kubris TV. And please, 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 I just want to give another uh, round of applause to Demare for like being here with us. Thank you so much, brother. Really, really appreciate it, brother. You, I appreciate you having me on, man. And uh, it's a good moment, man, to be able to re revisit some of them stories. Thank you, brother. Peace. Analysis is recorded at No Studios, Milwaukee's creative hub and production studio.